um, my name is Sandra Nicholson and I'm chair of ASME, the Association for the Study of Medical Education. And um, welcome to our first inaugural ASME Bite Size podcast. And uh, today I've got with me um, Professor Graham Easton, um, who is a colleague from Queen Mary University of London. And we're going to talk about uh, video and telephone consultations and what we feel um, that our students uh, need to know about these. And um, we're just wondering during the pandemic that both video and telephone consultations have been quite commonplace. However, I wonder how many of us have actually thought, well, what do we need to teach our students about these? And so I thought it was a great opportunity for me to learn from Graham a little bit more about what he thinks is important. So Graham, we're both general practitioners and we're pretty used to phoning our patients and we've been doing this quite a lot recently. Well, what do you think uh, we should include in our teaching? Well, I think what's really interesting is that, yeah, we've been mostly concentrating on face-to-face -face consultations up to now. That's been the pattern. We've suddenly been thrust into this new world where we've had to do remote consulting. We're having to think about what was the future right now and it's going to be here to stay. I think it's very important that we do teach our students or our learners about how to consult like this because it's not the same as face-to-face -face, um, but with a bit of technology added on. There are, there are things that are, that are different. Absolutely. I mean, for instance, what do you think are the differences between video and telephone? The obvious difference is, of course, you don't have the, um, the luxury of nonverbal communication with the, um, with the telephone, so you can't see those pauses, those, um, those sort of uh, internal searches that are going on. You can't read a lot of the very subtle cues. But what's interesting about, um, about some of the research that's happened in the area of video consulting is that actually it's, it's far from the same as face-to-face. -face. For example, um, a lot of the non-verbal communication, doctors aren't picking up some of those subtle cues, the flatness of the screen, the shadows across people's faces. Forget about the stuff that's actually off screen, um, but even the stuff that's on screen, we aren't reading and there's a real danger um, of us coming over as flat or distant, perhaps unempathetic. So those sorts of things mean that video is one step up from phone in many ways, but um, it's far from face to face. And what priorities do you think we should then think about in sharing our knowledge about how to do this with students? We've been thinking about this. It's, it's been um, a, a real steep learning curve for us all. And we've been working very closely with our actors, um, our simulated patients, uh, who've been brilliant. Of course, it's communication, so it's, it's two-way, um, at helping us about what matters to them during, for example, a video consultation. Um, and we've started to develop um, sessions for our, for our students and we've been piloting those and running them. Um, but the sort of things in terms of the communication skills are being, being much clearer about our non-verbal communication. So actually sort of overemphasizing stuff, possibly overemphasizing uh, eye movements and gestures and smiles and so on because it's possibly, it's possible to, for it to become dulled. Um, the issue of eye contact keeps coming up. Where do you look at? You know, we're taught to have eye contact. If I look at the camera now, I'm looking at you. That's how it must look to you. We're on, we're on a video consultation at the moment. But um, if I want to watch your 
non-verbal body language and some of the subtle cues I'm trained to pick up, I have to move my eyes away. So, so there's that tension, isn't there? Um, and I think we're starting to learn what works best for patients uh, in which settings. Perhaps it's a mixture of moving between one and the other. Yes. Um, those sort of things. I think there's another issue around active listening. Okay. You, you're doing it beautifully, Sandra, which is, you know, okay, yeah, um, and, and encouraging me to carry on. It's a sort of natural medical uh, training kicking in. But actually, obviously, with the technology, sometimes there's a time lag. Um, and if, I, if I'm doing that, I might cut across you. Uh, so things like that, so leaving bigger gaps or more um, more concrete gaps and then the usual stuff around signposting and summarizing which we bang on about all the time anyway um, because it's so important but it becomes particularly important um, I think with telephone and particularly video consulting to check that people have understood. Do you know one of the things I think is, is most important too is about a proper introduction and um, just because the assumption might be that you know the patient that you're ringing um, but many times, of course, the healthcare professional doesn't know the patient. And one of the things I always emphasise to students is about how to introduce themselves um, and check that they've got the right patient with them. Um, I mean, presumably you would agree with me. Have you got any tips for doing that without making it seem so false? Yes. And, and um, to avoid that, um, what is your date of birth and what is your yeah. full name and um, that very formalised thing. So we, we do talk about uh, the softer starts before we start uh, getting into those sort of details. But it needs to come early so that you're sure of who's there. Absolutely. Um, two things we do say at the beginning at the moment um, seem to be important. Um, checking that people can see properly and can hear properly i.e are you okay with the technology it sounds obvious but actually if, if you forget that there can be all sorts of problems when patients aren't used to it um, so we talk about that and we talk about um, the importance of checking who else is in the room at the beginning i think what's interesting is you know because you might suddenly see in the middle the shifting of eyes sure. uh, in a patient and you realize actually that there's someone else there with them you know and, that, and, and all those issues around confidentiality and consent but I think it's teaching us a lot about what we need to think around the sort of professional aspects of, of consulting online as well. Yeah. Um, so asking about capacity, um, asking about consent and confidentiality, thinking about whether we record those teaching sessions, um, let alone the actual consultation. So, so we've set up a student to, to think about all these issues and we're going to do some telephone consultations during the surgery in a general practice setting, for example, in, but it could well be in the hospital outpatient clinic. How are we going to encourage students to actually take part in this? What are the practical things that we could do with students? Some of the software that's being used in, well, in, in general practice, definitely, and I think some of it in outpatient settings, allows for students to effectively eavesdrop or sit alongside um, you or me as the trainer um, and I think that's going to be incredibly helpful in terms of um, uh, do, effectively doing virtual clinics, virtual teaching clinics. Yeah. Um, in terms of how we do it centrally uh, in the medical school, lots of different platforms um, and we, we're having to decide which one to use, which is most secure, which works better for breakout groups do we just simply follow the normal um, teaching 
around small groups and an actor and a tutor and that is quite possible and it works very well do you have much bigger groups and effectively do demonstrations with people chatting uh, on on a sidebar so so there are lots of different ways of doing it Yes, the chat line or the sidebar is a, is a very interesting tool, isn't it? It is. The trouble is, as a teacher, as an educationalist, you, you want to see, as you'd like to see, that the eyes of your patient and the reactions of your patient, you'd like to see the reactions of the students or learners. And we're having real debates at the moment about how to negotiate all that because sometimes it encourages students to, to, to engage more if they're not actually on screen, yeah. we're finding. Um, a lot of people don't feel comfortable with being on screen in front of 20 other peers. Um, but equally, some people can then get hidden and get lost and, and uh, you lose some of that, um, that sort of frisson uh, of exchange of when you're teaching. So, so what I'm getting from this is a real sense that there's a place for a simulated video or telephone consultation to help our students get used to to performing in this kind of way with patients. Absolutely, and I think that's different from let's teach about face-to-face consultations through a video. Right. This is let's teach video consulting through a video. And so it's it's mirroring exactly what's happening in current practice with COVID, uh, and it's here to stay. Um, uh, but it's actually saying, let's teach them these skills. This isn't a second best to face-to-face uh, but it, it is if you're trying to teach about face-to-face in the flesh consultations. Sure. But this is a really good opportunity to teach around particular skills. So are there any wider issues that you think we should bear in mind? I think it is important that um, we think about some of the other issues that go alongside all the exciting technology. Um, it's easy to get carried away with it all. Um, I expect it will probably fall back to um, much, much less video and telephone consultations after the COVID crisis, but it'll be more than we used to do. I think the, but the wider issues would be things like how does technological poverty influence um, access to consultations through these platforms? Is their use contributing to health inequalities or increasing that, that health inequality gap? Uh, I think that's a really interesting area and how do we get around that? I think there are other issues around uh, hearing and visual impairment um, or learning difficulties and how we help patients with those issues to communicate through these platforms. I mean, for example, if you can lip read, um, a video might be better uh, than all sorts of other platforms. But uh, yeah, I think those sort of wider issues. Yes, I think I think those issues perhaps are quite challenging for for people who've been practicing for a while, um, as as well as for students. But it's it's good to get students to think about these issues, isn't it? Exactly. Bearing in mind that 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 students um, always have this at the front of their minds as well. What about assessment? Could you give me a, a last tidbit on assessment, please? Yeah, the most important bit for the students. Um, but I think um, it's just to say that we mustn't forget about how we're going to assess this. It, will it be, I expect it will, I think it should be probably, um, the case that we build into practical exams a video uh, or telephone assessment station. Um, and I don't think that's very widespread, certainly at the moment. It's something we're, we're starting to look at. Um, it's very uh, interesting, there are challenges around it, but I don't think we can, we can ignore it any longer. 
it's it's very interesting that that we have used a telephone station at finals uh, in Oski. So so yes, it, yeah, we're always at the front at Barts. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's that's really fascinating. Thank you so much. And um, for those of us who are listening, um, we have another opportunity to talk to Graham. Um, on Friday, the 5th of June at four o'clock, where there's an opportunity for you to listen to the podcast one more time, if you've not already listened during the week. Um, and um, can I ask you please to visit the ASME website to register for this webinar, which is at four o'clock on the 5th of June, and you can submit your questions through ASME Bite Size link. It is at bitesize at asme.org.uk but we will remind you uh, during the week any rate about this. So thanks, Graham, and um, I look forward to speaking with you all very soon. <laughs>